The kingdom of God is a central theme in the storyline of Scripture. Beginning in Genesis and concluding in Revelation, the Bible lays out the rise of God's kingdom. But the phrase, kingdom of God, is sometimes understood differently. What does it mean? Is the kingdom a present reality? Or is it a future hope? This is where we have to back up and briefly go over various viewpoints on eschatology, the study of last things. The kingdom of God is a fundamental concept and element of eschatology. In the simplest terms, there are perhaps two categories of thought that we can mark out. We'll call them present kingdom and future kingdom. The future kingdom category views the kingdom of God as promised in the Old Testament to be a future hope during the millennium after Jesus returns. The millennium is the name given to a period of 1,000 years in which Christ and his saints reign, See Revelation 24. In this sense, Christ is our king now, but his kingdom has not yet come. Particularly in dispensational theology, especially classic dispensationalism, the idea is that God promised the kingdom to Israel, his chosen people, in the Old Testament. Then Jesus came and offered the kingdom to the Jews of his day, but they rejected his offer of the kingdom. Thus the age of grace dawned in which the gospel went to the Gentiles, and this age is a parenthesis in God's plan for the kingdom of Israel. When the rapture happens, the largely Gentile church will be removed from the earth, and God will resume his kingdom plan for Israel during the tribulation and the subsequent millennium when Christ returns. Therefore, during the millennium, the kingdom will be predominantly Jewish, and the Old Testament promises to Israel will be fulfilled while Jesus reigns on David's throne in the city of Jerusalem. This understanding of eschatology understands God's kingdom to be a particularly Israelite reality and one which awaits future fulfillment in the future millennium after Jesus comes back. The thinking of the present kingdom category of thought is quite different. Christians who take this approach view eschatology through an already not yet perspective. The kingdom is already here, but its full and final consummation awaits the day of Christ's return when it will be consummated in full in the new heavens and new earth. Unlike classical dispensationalism, this inaugurated eschatology view does not view the kingdom of God as promised in the Old Testament as restricted to Israel alone. Christ did indeed come proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom for, to first century Israel, and indeed they largely rejected his message. But this does not mean that God stowed away the fulfillment of Old Testament promises and decided he would come back to them thousands of years later, while instituting an interim age of grace. Instead, inaugurated eschatology sees the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises as beginning fulfillment or finding true fulfillment in Christ's work at his first coming. While there are a number of differing views on what Revelation 20 means, even among those who hold to this already-not-yet perspective, the bottom line is this. The present kingdom category of thought views the kingdom of God as being established and inaugurated in the first century upon Christ's glorious resurrection and ascension. While a full examination of, this, of the issues and a full defense of this already-not-yet perspective are well beyond the scope of this episode, I want to lay out briefly a few key points on why I think the present kingdom view is more true to scripture. First, the Gospels record Jesus declaring the arrival of the kingdom of God in quite bold and confident terms, not suggestive terms. For example, in Mark 1, 14 and 15, we read, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The Greek word in verse 15 translated at hand communicates immediacy and imminency. Similarly, we read in Matthew 4.17, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, in Matthew 12.28, Jesus says, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Second, the apostles in the early portions of the book of Acts 
repeatedly present Christ's resurrection and ascension as the fulfillment of kingdom prophecies and promises of the Old Testament. In Acts 2, 34 and 35, Peter replies David's prophecy in Psalm 110:1 to the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Paul applies the prophecy of messianic kingship in Psalm 2 to the resurrected Christ in Acts 13, 33. The early church also viewed Psalm 2 as being fulfilled in Christ's death and resurrection, as Acts 4, 24 through 28 makes clear. Therefore, the apostles of the early church understood these kingdom prophecies of the Old Testament as finding at least initial fulfillment in the work of Christ, particularly in his resurrection and ascension. Third, Paul's epistles include multiple references to the reign of Christ overall, especially in connection with Old Testament prophecies. Examples include the following. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians 1, 20-23 Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. 1 Corinthians 15, 24-28 Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 9-11 The teaching of the New Testament epistles of Paul indicate that Christ's ascension was the climax of his work for us and was the fulfillment of kingdom prophecies of the Old Testament like Psalm 110, 1 and Psalm 2, 6-9. Beyond Paul's epistles, the book of Revelation also presents its original audience as a kingdom to God, Revelation 1, 5 through 6, and 5, 9 through 10. If this was true in John's day, it stands to reason that it is true in our day as well. Christians who believe the Bible as the Word of God have room to disagree about the doctrine of the future. Whether one believes that God's kingdom is awaiting fulfillment in the future millennium or has already been inaugurated in the present, we can agree that as God's people, we are called to obey and remain faithful to Him. This article has presented the viewpoint that God's kingdom is here now, inaugurated in Christ's resurrection and ascension. Christ is ruling and reigning now from heaven and will one day return to earth to consummate the kingdom of God in the glorious new creation.